Hi. <laughs> the um, reading tonight is from uh, Philippians 3, verses 10 through verse 4-1. Um, um, in the Pew Bible, if you're using one, um, it's on page 803. Um, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, please take one of these home as a gift from Cornerstone. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that to God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now I now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our, lovely, our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Well, before we begin, I want to say that I never tell a story or a joke before a sermon, but last week, Pastor Jonathan did, and it kind of challenged me a little bit, and the thing is, is that those of you who you know, know him well, realize, you know, I, I can't beat him at CrossFit. I, I can't beat him at golf. In fact, he's pretty good at just about everything. And so, but when it comes to telling stories, I, you know, I'm going to let you judge. <laughs> and this is, this is for you, Anthony. So, um, I'm going to tell you about my cousin, John Paul, who lives up in Sherbrooke, Quebec, and his wife, uh, Paulette. And they tell this story, and I just want to share it with you. So one night in the winter, uh, there was a storm. It was about 20 degrees, and it was about 1.30 in the morning, 
And um, they heard somebody at the door. So Jean-Paul got up and he went downstairs to answer the door. And then a few minutes later, he came back and he got into bed. And his wife, Paulette, says, Jean-Paul, who was that at the door? And he said, well, it's that guy, Ari, from down the street. He's drunk again. And uh, she said, well, what did he want? You know, and he, she, he said, well, he wanted a push, you know. And, and so Paulette says, well, what did you tell him? He, he says, well, look, it's a, it's a snowstorm. I can hardly see. It's 20 degrees. I'm in bed. Uh, I'll, uh, wait until morning. And Paulette said, well, you know, he, Jean Paul's a part-time pastor up there. And she said, this is not the way a pastor should behave himself, you know. He should be always ready to help somebody. And, and she said, you know, you remember last year when your car got stuck outside, John uh, Ari was the first person to come out to help you and to give you a push. And he, he said, yeah, but he was drunk and he didn't do any good at all. And she says, well, you know, that, that doesn't matter. And so they had this conversation, went on and on, and John Paul said to his wife, he says, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we both go down to push him? And so she agreed, so they got dressed and they went down. So um, they come out the door and John Paul says, Ani, are you still here? And he said, yes. And, and so he said, well, uh, do you still want to push? And he, sa he said, yes, please. And Paulette says, Ani, well, where are you? And, and Ani says, um, Paulette, I'm right here on the swing. <laughs> so, <laughs> takes a while. <laughs> so, so you be the judge, you know. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> You know, I, as I've said before, this preaching is, is just, it's just uh, you know, what I do until I can become a comic. So, anyway. But you won't hear me do that again. I don't do that often. I don't tell a story before the sermon. So, well, anyway, um, for the last month or so, we've been looking at what it means to be a disciple. Uh, we've discovered that being a disciple means being a student. And our scripture text for today says that uh, Paul says that he wanted to know Christ. And that's kind of where we're going to camp out, just on that. Paul said he wanted to know Christ. He wasn't satisfied just to know about Jesus. He wanted to know and experience everything about him. Uh, he felt that even to the point of being put to death. Somehow he figured that if he could experience all of what Jesus had experienced, that somehow that would help him to know him better. And so he did this with joy. He pressed onward to the prize, as it says. And you might say that he was sold out. Um, he was what I'd call a Jesus freak. And... That expression, you don't hear that much anymore, but when I became a Christian, 
that was a big expression that persons become a Jesus freak. And I was one of those Jesus freaks back in the 70s. And Paul goes on to say in verse 17 that we should join him to follow the example of Christ. So he says in, in 1 Corinthians, um, Paul actually says, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is what he's talking about, to become a student of Jesus. Follow me and you'll learn what it's like to be a Christian. So the question is, how do we do this? How, how do we become disciples of Christ? How do we follow the example of Paul? Well, today I just want to look at a few aspects of what it means to be a disciple of Christ and what it means to truly be a student of Christ. Before we do, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with us this evening as we look at what it means to be your disciples. I know that unless you have drawn us to you, and that unless you have created a hunger in our hearts to follow you, that we would uh, continue to go in our own way. So Lord, I pray today that you would increase our love for you, increase our desire to know you, and help us to run the good race that we might win the prize set before us. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to say about being a disciple is, and about being a student is, that it's not about you being a better person. Now, some of you might find that strange, but so many Christians spend their whole life trying to overcome their sin. Uh, if you're one of those people, I just say, stop it. Stop it. Don't spend your whole life trying to overcome your sin. You may think that working on yourself to become a better person is what it's all about. That's what it means to be a Christian. But that's not true. How many of you spend your time constantly trying to overcome your sin? Anybody? Nobody at all. Oh, one. Okay, good. The rest of these people are caught in lies, so you're, you're all set. One honest person in the whole group. But being a disciple is, is learning about who God is. It's all about him, and it's none about you. You don't need to stress about overcoming your sin. Jesus overcame your sin for you. In fact, that's the first thing you need to learn as a disciple. This is the message that Paul preached, and this is the message that he saw as so great and so incredible that he was willing to forsake everything in his life to proclaim it to the world. Paul wasn't excited about the fact that he was able to overcome sin. He wasn't excited about anything like that. In fact, he talked about his shortcomings, and we read Romans 7, 19. This is what Paul says. He says, for the good that I want to do, no, that's not what he said. He said, I do not do the good 
that I want to do. This is Paul telling us to follow him. And he says, I don't do the good that I want to do. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. Paul was excited about the grace that freed him from the consequences of his sin. That's what we're to get excited about. In Romans 8.1 it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He was excited about the fact that no longer would he be condemned for his sins. And I really like what Paul said about grace in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Paul says, listen carefully to this. These are very important because this is, this is the kind of stuff that I get excited about. This is the kind of stuff you should be excited about. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, so no one should boast. And then Paul goes on to say in Romans eleven six, he says, and listen carefully to this now. He says, and if by grace, then it can no longer be based on works. So Paul is saying that if you're saved by grace, then it really has nothing to do with your works. He says, if, if, it, were, if it were, grace would no longer be grace. So if it, he's saying that if it depends on you and your righteousness, then how could it be grace? Grace would have nothing to do with it at all. This is what Paul was excited about, and this is what excites me. People who try to live their whole lives overcoming sin live defeated lives. A lot of times people who know that they're sinners and know that they continue to be sinners stop going to church. They stop reading the word. They stop fellowshipping with other people. And they get defeated right away. This is supposed to be a house for sinners, not a house for people who are perfect. And Paul wasn't perfect. The purpose for you to become a disciple is so that you'll be as excited about the gospel as Paul is. That you would be excited so much that you'd be willing to be like Paul in every way. And in doing so, you'd be like Christ. There's a great excitement about being a believer. And I think that a lot of Christians miss it. A lot of Christians just don't have that true excitement. And that's what being a disciple is about. Being a disciple is about bringing that joy and that excitement to yourself by being a disciple. And I have this sentence I say here, God doesn't want you to spend your lives thinking about sin. He wants you to spend your lives thinking about his son. That's what we're to spend our lives thinking about. So now that we know what we're not supposed to do to become a student of ourselves, how do we become a student of Christ? Well, Paul says to show yourself approved and 2 Timothy 2.15, I'm not sure this one's in there, is it? 
Let's just see. It is. Okay. <laughs> so 2 Timothy 2.16, Paul says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, this is talking about studying the word. This is how we learn. This is how we become true disciples. Now, to, to teach this point, I'm going to use an illustration, and we're going to spend a little time on this. Okay, this is a picture of my telephone. I have this phone in my bedroom. I've had this phone my whole life, and I still use it. Now, I have other phones in the house, but this is, this is my bedroom telephone, and I'm, I'm really happy with it. When the grandchildren come over, uh, they always want to learn. How do, you, how do you work this thing, you know? And um, they really have enjoyed it. Now, this is what you call a stupid phone. And I know that because when I was a little kid, every time it would ring, my father would yell out, can somebody answer the stupid phone? <laughs> and so, um, so I know that's what it is. And now I know that some of you have what's called smartphones, right? Please, if you have a smartphone, please take it out at this time and turn it on. I know a lot of you have them, so take it out and turn it on. Now, okay, now some of you, you, you may want to right now just take a picture and post it on Facebook saying that you're here at church because that's a, a good thing to be doing, you know, you're here at church. So don't be afraid to take a picture and, you know, this is where we're at. We came all the way from across the ocean to be here. And if anybody... If anybody would like a selfie with me, come on, come on just come up. <laughs> no, no I, that wasn't supposed to be that. I'm serious. If anybody would like to do that, come on up. Now, I'd like, okay. <laughs> See, these are good things to be doing and to be posting. This one's going to take a while. <laughs> I've got to figure out how to turn it around. There we go. All right. See, it's a very poor disciple of the phone right here. Okay, good, thank you. Now, please leave your phones on for the rest of the service. And if your phone rings, pick it up, just answer it. And you can tell the person, you know, stand up, tell the person I'm in church, and I'll have to talk to you later. Um, We'll wait. Your, your phone calls are important. And I'm not joking. I mean that. Just stand up and do that. Now, I need someone who would be willing, that has one of these smartphones, to come up here with me for a minute just to talk to me a little bit about your phone. I get anybody that would be willing to do that? Okay, great. <laughs> I know. Well, okay, so... Um, you, maybe you should stand on this side because the microphone's on this side and you get to... So tell me why this phone is better than my phone. Can you tell me? 
I get to keep in touch with people almost all the time. I can get my emails on it. I can see Facebook posts on it. Um, I can take pictures, so I don't need a camera, so I don't miss a moment. Okay. Um, well, and I get to play games on it. Okay. Well, it, it looks like you have a lot of different things on here. What, what's all that? I have... Um, Redbox, I have the ability to borrow books from the library on it so I can read a book on it. A couple different ways of reading a book. I have a couple different things for watching movies. I can access my files from my computer on it, as well as the Google Drive that we use for the worship team at church on it. Um, I have a couple of map programs to mm -hmm. find the best way to get somewhere. I could get lost in a paper bag, so that helps. Um, and games. And then I've got some things for holding on to the different reward cards for okay. different stores. Does yours work as a level too? Some, some of them do. I you know don't it used to. to. I don't know if it still does. Okay. It has a compass. Okay. So it's got a lot of stuff. So how, how did, and, and some of you know a lot more than she does about this, don't you? Note your phone. Uh, Probably the, the younger generation. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Um, how did you learn all of this? Trial and error. A few classes at the Apple Store because I'm a, an iPhone person. Okay. All right. And lastly, how, how much, how much, so like my phone there, um, that was, if you wanted to buy that outright in the 60s, it was $66. And, um, and not bad for a phone that, so the 60s to now is at least 15 years or so. It's lasted a long time, <laughs> right? Yes. Not bad for a phone that lasts that long and probably will last forever. But how, how much did you have to pay for yours? $699 to buy it. Okay, $699. Okay, so it was a good price. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you. So to me, it's clear to see that phones are important and that the people who have them Take time to learn how to use them. Uh, you all learn the features, and most of you look at your phones all day long. A lot of you are looking at your phones all day long. You actually become students of your phone. And I don't say that in a, in a nasty way or anything, but you have. You've become students of your phone. And the reason that you do all of this, the reason why you have these phones and you study and you figure out all the stuff on them is because you believe that there's a benefit in knowing all of this, right? That these phones are actually pretty darn cool. Am I right? What's that? You have Bibles on there too, right? And so, well, Paul understood the benefit of knowing Christ. He fully understood that. And the people that are here that have those new phones, you understand the benefits of those phones. They do just about everything. There's, there's not much that that phone can't do. Um, he understood that, Paul understood that the benefit of knowing Christ was the power of salvation. And we read in Romans 1.16, Paul
Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Now, when Paul was saying this, he wasn't just talking about being saved from hell, the power of salvation. It was about living an abundant life. He was being saved from all that Satan had been trying to do in the world since the time of Adam and Eve. So Paul understood that we are saved from that curse that fell with Adam and Eve. He understood that, and he was excited about this. So how is all this done? How do we, how do we become students? Well, it's hard to give a whole thing of, like, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to becoming a student of Christ. And, there's, and the more you, so, the, so I could tell that uh, you, you're not as excited about your phone as some of the other people. Some of the other people that, like, are you really, Kayla, are you really excited about your phone? No, yeah, okay. See, she's excited about her phone. And some people that have them are very excited and some people aren't so much. Now, if I went back to my phone again, I'm not, I can't say I'm overly excited about that phone. Really, you know, I mean, it gets, it gets the calls made that I want to make. That's it. And, you know, there's some, to some extent, that's the way Christians can be. Some Christians are, you know, they're getting done what they need to do as Christians, and then other Christians are really, really excited about their faith. And, and I would say that, how much time did you spend studying your phone, Kayla? A lot? Huh? Figured it out in 10 minutes? Yeah, just figured it out? Yeah, it's easier when you're young. You kind of grow up. With it. Yeah. Can you run one of my phones, like my phone? Do you know how to run that? Oh, good. Good. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, so simply put, students do a few things, and one thing they do is they learn to study God's Word. That's really important. The reading of the Word and the studying of the Word is extremely important. You won't get excited without doing some of the simple things and learning. You have to learn. You have to learn what the whole package is. The Bible teaches the whole package of what Paul was excited about. Um, so, Students study the word. They attend church each week so that they can hear more of the word expounded on. Um, Paul studied for years before he felt like he was equipped to go out. Students read their Bible and then they read other books to help them understand it. They go to Bible studies. Students of the word go to Bible studies and sort of like there's Bible studies that are being run constantly at this church. There's always Bible studies to attend. And students of the word are constantly in Bible studies. 
Um, some take Bible courses. Some go to Bible college. There are Bible courses online, a lot of them that are free. I've taken some. Um, there's uh, actually uh, master's level and doctorate level courses on the computer online that you can take free. You can audit these courses, and they're incredible. And uh, if anybody's interested in finding out about those, let me know afterwards. Some actually will attend a Bible college, and some have. Some have gone to Bible college, and some to seminary. The simple point is, is the more time you put in, the more benefit you're going to get. The more you study your little telephone, the more benefit, the more you're going to understand all the stuff that it can do. I believe yours can do far more than you ever dreamed of. And if you spent every day, all day long, looking through and figuring it out, you, you could learn a lot. And you can make that thing dance, probably. They even put them on drones now, and they go around and do stuff like that. But that's what Christians, that's what being a student of Christ is all about. It's all about learning everything that, as a believer, all the benefits that you have and all the responsibilities that you have. And somewhat, the responsibilities come easier. So one pastor says that a healthy tree doesn't have to worry about growing fruit or getting rid of dead leaves. Uh, it just, um, it says all that a tree has to do is to remain healthy, and all of that happens naturally. And that's why I said that you don't have to worry about your sin all of your life because if you are studying God's word, God will change you. He'll make you into the person that you are to be. Students become members of a church and they spend time with God's people. One of the ways that you can learn as a person here is is to actually take a membership class here at the church and become a member. In the membership class, my wife and I took the class this morning. How many of you have taken the membership class? Oh, good, good. Well, in taking the class, you learn a lot about uh, the different avenues of serving and how each of us work together to build the body of Christ. And so that's a great place for a student to... To, to learn. And we become members of the church so that we can be part of the work of spreading the gospel throughout the community and the world. This is what Paul did. He was excited about his faith and his faith was transferred into action. He went out and he was telling everybody he was so excited about his faith. Each person has a gift, and each person together, working together with your gifts, is like a mighty army moving forward. So finally, I want to talk about, and when I say finally, do you know what that means? <laughs> Absolutely nothing, so I want to make that clear. Um, but uh, thinking about what I said about spending your life 
trying to overcome sin. When I counsel people that are stuck in sin, usually what my counsel to them is, to, is I say, spend one week not thinking about your sin at all. Spend one week concentrating on God, drawing near to God. So instead of trying to walk away from your sin, try to walk towards God. And that's what a disciple does. I want to explain with this illustration that I have here. Okay, so th this is kind of like the story in the beginning. This, that story um, isn't, isn't really true, the story I told, right? So you got that, I assume, right? So this here, this illustration I'm going to use, I wish I could tell you that this was I, that this is true, but, it, but it, it isn't true. So I want to make that very clear. But I, this is one I made up just to, to fit in, and it fits in really well. So I'm going to tell it as though it's true, but, um, but just to warn you in case you talk to Diane about it afterwards. And <laughs> <laughs> I could get away with it if, I, if she wasn't here, probably. But anyway, um, when the kids were young, we would do an Easter egg hunt. Have anybody ever done an Easter egg hunt for the kids? Oh, good. And so this, there was a path, and this is a path that's right behind my house. And um, what we would do is we would hide Easter eggs along the path. And then what we would tell them is sort of like the rules of the Easter egg hunt. Now, what the rules were, were that all of the Easter eggs that you're going to find are on, within like a couple feet of the path. So see like that tree thing there, there might be one stuck right in front of that or near the rock or something like that. But that we would tell them that you don't want you to climb the trees because there's nothing, there's nothing that you can't just reach. So don't climb up a tree to try to, to think that there's Easter eggs up there. Um, there's nothing 20 feet out off the path to find. And when you come to the end of the path, which it looks like that's the end of the path, but um, when you come to the end of the path, don't go past the end of the path because there are no Easter eggs past the end of the path. And... So, if they stayed on the path, they would find all of the Easter eggs that were there. And this illustration kind of shows God's laws for us. When God gave us his Ten Commandments, he gave them to us because he loved us. He, he set out a path for us and his blessings are on that path. And he would say, don't go do this and don't do that. Because if you, if you do, he knew you weren't going to be blessed. God knew that any of the commandments that you disobeyed would not lead you to greater blessing, but that it wouldn't work out good for you. And so he gave these little things. And that's what we told the kids. And so we would tell them all of the blessings of God 
are found on his paths of righteousness. Now, if we saw our children actually going off the path, maybe 10, 20 feet, would we, like, hate our children because they did that? We would, what would we feel? What would you feel if you had a three-year-old and instead of the three-year-old, if they, they just weren't finding the Easter eggs because they just were going off the path, how would you feel about that? Speak up, because this is interactive. So, How would you feel about your children? What? You'd help them get back on the path, but what would your feelings be? Would you be like, Fearful, a little bit fearful, okay. But you'd be a little bit sad, wouldn't you? Because you, what was your whole intent of doing this in the first place? For fun and for blessing. And see, that's the way it is with God. God has set up his laws in order so that we would receive all of the blessings. And, yet, and being a student is understanding that. It's understanding that, that all of the blessings are found on the path of righteousness. Now, I tell this to go along with this. One Easter, um, when I got up on Easter morning, there was, you know, we had all these baskets, and we always had an Easter basket, as poor as we were. But one morning <clears throat> on Easter, instead of having the little chocolate bunnies, there was like this big, big one. And I was so excited, I, I thought, wow, that, that bunny's going to last me like the whole year. That is just like the greatest, that's the greatest thing. But then when I went over and I picked it up, I noticed that, what, what did I notice? It was hollow, exactly. Well, <clears throat> This is the way it is. When you leave the path of God's righteousness and you see something that's off the path that looks really, really good, it's always hollow. And every time in my life, and, and I'm, I'm not any more perfect at this than Paul is, but whenever I think of something, whenever I see something and I desire something and I know that it's not on the path of righteousness, this is what I say to myself. It's probably hollow. And that helps me to avoid it. Every, if you can name one sin that you've committed that's ever worked out really well for you, I mean... It just doesn't work that way, does it? Why do people continue to sin? It's because Satan is constantly putting hollow bunnies in front of us. When we study God's word, we learn about all of the tricks that Satan plays, how he tricks us, how he sets us up. And so being a disciple is, is also about, it's about learning about God and it's about learning about his enemy and it's learning to follow and it's learning to be blessed. Paul was excited because he found all of the blessings. He found all of the blessings that God had 
So excited that even in the midst of being in prison, he's singing because he's so excited because God was blessing him so much. Now for me, delivering this sermon to you, I can't, I can't do any more than I could do with the kids. I, 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 could, I could go up the path with you and point out all of the Easter eggs and all of the blessings. But somehow you have to learn on your own how to get the blessings of God. You have to learn how to walk those paths. You have to learn how to, to, to be excited about what God is doing. And that all comes through a lot of different avenues of becoming a disciple. Paul was really, really excited about his faith. Um, Pastor Jonathan and I were talking earlier, and I think it was Terry, earlier in the day today, we were talking about surrendering our lives to, to God. And when we did that, we thought, we thought, well, we're going to give up our lives to serve God. And what we found out was that we ended up living the best blessed lives that anybody on earth could have. That's what being a disciple is. That's what Paul learned. Paul learned that. He learned that he was, he was excited because he learned that. So all of the paths, all of the blessings for God's children are put right on the paths of righteousness. If you have any doubt, go off the path sometime and just, just see. Just see the chocolate bunny, you know, and it's just hollow. Well, Proverbs, we're getting close to the end. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, is that? Yes, okay. can almost not see the monitor there. It's just, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He will bless you as you follow him. This is what Paul was excited about. Paul decided to follow Jesus, and he was blessed. And he got more and more excited as he followed closer and closer and got blessed more and more. Paul had discovered the treasure of knowing Christ. He found all the blessings that were on his path. And the same path lies before all of you. All of those paths lie before you. So my question for you and my question for you to go home and think about is, how excited are you? How excited are you about knowing Christ? You Get out of what you put in, if you want it, just like with your cell phone. If you're willing to learn, if you're willing to take the time, this is a church that is willing to disciple you. Every one of you, God is, uh, this, this church is willing to disciple you, to train you, to teach you, so that you will have all of the benefits, so that you will have the same life that Paul had. And so I'm going to close with that. But I'd challenge you this week to think about how excited are you? And how closely are you following? And how much do you desire to know Christ? Thank you. God bless you.